Hello, I'm Luke Clancy and you're welcome to the Culture File Weekly, which this week comes from the Austrian capital, Vienna, where we'll be taking in everything from collaborative creativity with artist duo Monty and Rosenblum to a new Austrian company that crowdsources its operas on the streets of Vienna. But we begin at the Austrian Parliament Building, which has just reopened after a long-running €350 million Euro remodelling. As part of that, the original 1870s. 70s building in all its marble and gold finery let in lots of daylight via a new glass roof and entered the 21st century with an arts programme that its curator Hans-Peter Wipplinger calls a total artwork, only in German. Culturefile joined Wipplinger on one of the building's newly created roof terraces with a view over a very particular part of Vienna's Ringstrasse. I'm not sure if it's uh, uh, officially a smoking area, but we are on one of the four new terraces, uh, and on this place uh, we are standing at the moment. There is a, a, an art piece uh, by uh, Heimat Becker. He wrote um, a list of places of parks in Vienna where it was not allowed for Jewish people uh, to go in. So uh, we are in front of the so-called Hitler balcony uh, which is in the Hofburg and when you look through this uh, written text on the side behind you have this Hitler balcony. Most of the new interventions here in the parliament are new productions and the artists um, deal with the history of this uh, building. We're going back to the 19th century. The parliament was opened in 1883 uh, so they reflect, on the one hand, the architect, uh, the architecture of Theophil Hansen. Uh, they reflect uh, also the function of the parliament, the democracy, uh, or they especially uh, concentrated uh, on uh, the special location uh, where they uh, make their interventions. I think the parliament is the heart of a state in a way and if you make that bigger and more contemporary that's a very important act for the whole society I think. My name is Eva Schlegel, I'm an Austrian artist. I was invited to realize two works, two sculptural works uh, it's extension of public space. Because what we are here, we are here in a public space, so to say. It's a very secure place actually now, more secure than it was before, but it is a public space. And we are now um, in the attic of the building, and here we find a very big sculpture, which is slowly turning around its own uh, angle, it's made out of mirrors, and the lobby has a ceiling out of glass, and the sky is above, and the sun comes in. It uh, touches the sculpture, and the sculpture reflects it all over the restaurant. One of the ideas with the new cupola is that um, there's more transparency, which has to have a metaphorical meaning. But here you add a lot of mirrors, which make us very uncertain about what we see. Right. I think that's good. I think people should really think and be critical, even upon the things which happen here. 
talking about uh, the Gesamtkunstwerk, uh, I talk about the symbiosis of different uh, art fields. Uh, and when I mentioned Wagner, he was one of the first who realize, uh, realized uh, that the arts have worked together, the music, the drama, literature, a stage designer. So this was an example which we can also find here in the work of Theophil Hansen, the architects. He also worked together a lot with uh, sculptors, with painters, of course, uh, an aspect uh, which defined and designed this building uh, very strong and very intense. It's, it's an Gesamtkunstwerk, and I think it's one of the most beautiful parliaments uh, all over the world. And uh, in my intention was, let's say, to build a bridge from the 19th century to the 21st century. My name is Konstantin Luser. I'm a visual artist from Vienna. And we are standing here in front of the work uh, from the new parliament. My work is like a metal drawing on, on the wall, which has also two instruments in the center. So every party has a mouthpiece, exactly a trumpet, a tuba, and a, trombo a trombone. A good Austrian brass band. Yeah, you could use, but uh, in fact, it's here, um, it's like a bit uh, symbolic, symbolic, because uh, when you, you have either to play three at the same time or to close the other two to generate a sound. Show me that, would you? So you're putting your hands on two external mouthpieces and leaning into the central one. It's quite hard to play. I guess if you had two friends, it might be slightly easier to play. I think then it's getting interesting because then the waves, the sound waves are... They overlay interfering, yeah. If you put your hand over that and you play the trumpet at the end, and I'll play this one here. When I say play, I use the term very loosely. I'm feeling your warm breath coming into me there. This is not a COVID, <laughs> COVID instrument. Yeah, but the, but the, the, the uh, feeling of playing together is really great. It's, it's, it's great, it's very intense, it's, it's quite intimate. There was something that came out a couple of times as we were moving through the building uh, today, and that was the idea that we, we seem to be at a moment where it's very important to make the case for democracy. The intention of the parliament is to open this house. It's, it's a very important aspect. They expect 500,000 visitors a year here in the centre. And when you think about, let's say, um, Brasilia, which was happened uh, these days, or uh, uh, Washington. So uh, it's another way to think democracy, to open the house. 
Hans-Peter Wipplinger there, curator of the art programme at the Austrian Parliament Building. Now, the idea that opera might be missing some of the telltale emotions of the 21st century is part of the inspiration of a Vienna company determined to make space in opera for the experiences of modern life. The work of civic opera creations involves mobilising great swathes of the population. A lot of marketing is not necessarily needed when you do it the way we do it because we already reach people throughout the process taking them into the process making them part of it I'm Carmen C. Cruz I'm an opera stage director and artistic director of civic opera creations so we are an opera company based in Vienna that co-creates new work new opera in dialogues with uh, communities and opera houses throughout Europe and we focus on lived experiences that are missing from the repertoire. That means we try to expand the traditional repertoire with stories and lived experiences that are missing and we do this through collaboration with um, social institutions as well as people who have actually lived these experiences. In The End of the World, it's a piece about the female lived experiences of the end of the world, and it's uh, co-produced with us in the Teatro Colón in Argentina. It will be the first edition where it was based on interviews made last autumn and will be shown this autumn in Vienna. The next step is for this piece to go to Freiburg, where there again was a row of interviews by local choirs edit is then recorded, and the piece then travels to Buenos Aires next May where it will have these two modules that already exist from the two places and a new one just uh, for Buenos Aires, the children's choir in this case. And so this shows that in each uh, place we encounter new women in this case and they really shape the piece and the opera that it becomes. Civic Newsroom is um, a project in which we had uh, three teams come together over the course of 48 hours to create 10 to 12 minute opera pieces based on feedback from communities of Vienna. We focused on the Tenth District. It's, it's a new area with a lot of new families, but uh, with a, usually not an Austrian background, so uh, Eastern European background. Uh, doctors they usually speak four to five languages to, to serve their community. And there we had our questionnaires in doctor's offices and we asked people on the streets. We went to kindergartens. And then what we also did is a lot of radio interviews and we had an open call throughout the city of Vienna and we had a big res response from uh, students, from parents and also the elderly. So at the end of the day it was a big um, mixture of, of different people who gave us the input in the beginning. I deeply believe that opera is for everybody, that we have a responsibility towards showing the different facets of 450 years of opera history and that there is something for everybody and that can build bridges beyond. What we do, we really try to reshape what opera is and that is 
community of musicians coming together, stories told through voice, um, and the use of different techniques in the creations of these operas to focus more on the process itself as as part of the final product um, of final performance makes it super interesting and to build relationships that go beyond our short interventions that's one of our biggest hopes with each project that we do I think that this combination of music and text and scene and all these different departments that are necessary to bring an opera on stage allows us to create a different language for stuff, emotions or situations that cannot be expressed through words. Therefore, yes, I strongly believe in the future of opera as, as that, as a place to open the heart and shortcut logical circuits through music and the situation that it offers. Well, what we see on stage these days is mostly repertoire that has been created a hundred years ago and a long time before that. And there's a certain disconnect between what uh, we experience in our days today and uh, what is shown on stage. And why we, our, I love and regie <laughs> theater and all, all the ways to address old content in new ways and to build bridges, it doesn't make up for the missing of, of certain parts. Uh, of our society and also topics that opera can be helpful with. And so what we do is we use the power of opera to create understanding beyond text, beyond words, and start dialogues around topics that are burning issues for communities in new and innovative ways. Carmen C. Cruz there on the crowdsourced opera of Vienna's civic opera creations. And staying with opera, well, it is Vienna, one of only two cities with three major opera houses, answers on a postcard. We're off to the Volksoper next, where a new production of the Threepenny Opera has been attracting critical fruit and vegetables in the Austrian press. But the brickbats bounce off Maurice Leynard, the director of the Volksoper studio and part of Manifesto, a programme trying to rethink how, and indeed why, opera gets done. For its first production, Leynard has taken the scalpel to a Brecht and Weil classic, cross-casting both the crime kingpin, Macheath, and Jenny, the woman who does him, or her in this case, wrong. Who'd be surprised if people got upset? Certainly not Maurice Lenard. My name is Maurice Lenard. I'm a director and the artistic director of the Young Artists Programme at the Fox of Pavia. We're in the middle of the ninth district in beautiful Vienna, looking on the train station Wieringer Straße Volksoper, a beautiful ar architecture as we see it in all over Vienna from Otto Wagner. I'm very happy about that gorgeous view, even though I hear trains from time to time, but still, it, the view makes up for that. And built into the train station over there is even is a bit of the Volksoper. Yes, we have a rehearsal stage there, even two rehearsal stages. We live all around here, We're not only in the opera house, but all around. Mm -hmm. 
I come from a, from a family that has nothing to do with classical music. Um, I brought my parents to the opera for the first time. I got a, a, a recording of a Magic Flute. It's the classic, a Magic Flute for children from uh, an uncle of mine. And I could not stop listening to that. I was incredibly scared um, in a way. It was pretty small. Um, and, but I loved it. I loved that, that it was so dramatic that it was also scary and and uh, yeah I loved every bit of it and I think that was kind of my that was the the starting point and yeah I think we found each other Volksoper Wien did not have a studio program um, for over 50 years And when Lotte de Beer, when it was clear that she's going to be the new director of, of the Volksoper, one big um, goal for her was to not only make um, a program for singers, but also a sort of development program for the whole genre. So using, in the best way, uh, the ideas, the questions, the criticism of young singers um, towards music theatre, um, towards our business um, to create friction, to create marvelous singers and actors and stage performers, but also see what they have in mind, what their idea of the future is. I think that is, that is one of the main questions and struggles every music theater, every opera house has. We realize that we might have missed in the last years to really get in contact with a new, younger audience. And I am very fond of the idea to say getting in touch with that audience through the actual performers on stage that might be the same age, that might share the same background and interests in other things, not only theater, but in lifestyle, in music, uh, different than, than operatic music. Where did the idea for the cross-casting come from, or what, at what stage did it appear? Um, did you arrive in the room with it? Yes, sort of. <laughs> Or let's say it was in my belly. <laughs> it wasn't in the brain yet. And it was this kind of idea where we're, we're talking for half an hour, we're talking for 40 minutes, we're talking for an hour. And at, at some point I just have to say, you know, I have to say it. Like, my intuition is telling me it has to be a woman. Because that is something that has been done a lot in spoken theater. Because you just don't have the obstacle of the singing voice. But all these things, looking on the history of cross-gender and, 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 and using different voice types for the same role, it's all been there. We are just talking about voice types for different roles. You, the roles are not rewritten to make uh, Mac, who's Sona MacDonald, to make Mac uh, a woman. No. It's just played by a woman. Absolutely. In German, we have the word Behauptung. We're pretending. We're pretending. And that is everything we do. Um, and that, that sometimes when people talk to me about realism, it's hard for me to understand because we're watching people for three hours to sing to each other. Where do you want the realism? Like, isn't it gone from the first second? The difference is not that Mackie is a woman in our reading, but the person that plays it is a woman, and that changes the perspective of the audience. And I think in many scenes you kind of forget about it. 
when it's not really relevant. And then you have moments where they sp- Oliver as Jenny sings, and then I was pregnant. And then in these moments, you'll sound like, oh. And these little wake-ups, for me, are why we chose to, to, to do that. So many things have not been well-received first. <laughs> and uh, um, I was actually uh, 100% um, ready for booze, also in the premiere. We took everything, or so many things, that are dear to people from that piece. So <laughs> we, we can't be surprised. But it's not that every director that puts a different perspective on a piece wants to destroy an opera. Maurice Lénard there watching the trains go by at the Volksoper in Vienna. And our final stop this week involves a train journey into the Vienna woods, heading for the Charter House at Mauerbach. The Baroque monastic complex is a temporary home for Munti and Rosenblum, a duo of leading Austrian artists. Adi Rosenblum and Marcus Muntian first came together at art school in Vienna and later decided to work as a duo or a collective as the info for their show at the city's Albert Tina Museum would have it, even if Monty and Rosenblum are not entirely sure two people can be a collective. The Albertina show features a mini retrospective of their meticulously painted scenes of heavenly dystopia, which reverberate with echoes of old masters and fashion shoots. Tonight at the Charter House, it's the traditional meal that the pair make for their early music singing group, who spent the day recording Renaissance masses and whose music features in a rare video work from Montine Rosenblum, as Marcus Montine explains. of the piece, it's, it's Emendemos in Melius by Cristobal de Morales. It's a late Spanish Renaissance piece. And it suited us because it's a five-voice, five-part piece. And one, the cantus firmus, the, the repeating voice, the middle voice, is, is singing a different text, is singing a... a Memento homo quia pulvis est. It's it's like like uh, keep in mind, man, that you are made of 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 dust and will return to dust. And in the in the video piece, the the security guard, the the, the border guard, is singing this, and the other four are sort of the the penitent voices. They are singing this other Latin text. It's connotating a little bit the refugees. So they so it's this was the idea to use this. To, to reactivate this 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 sac- sacred text for for a contemporary situation. You have a particular interest in in early music outside of painting, though. Yeah, it's, it's an old love of mine and obsession. So 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 it's the it's 15th century Franco-Flemish music. So it's which is a very it's a yeah it's a Franco-Flemish uh, polyphony which which I'm really into. Which is why we're here. Tell, tell us uh, where we are and, and uh, why we're here. We're in, Ma- in the Charter House of Mauerbach, and here we are recording since, I think, 20 years almost. We are, together with my friend Bernhard, I, I record 
I, we, we were recording uh, 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 some repertoire of Franco-Flemish music with a group of singers we, we're constantly working with. Uh, they're called Beauty Farm, and it's a great, great thing for me that to, to record this, this, some of this repertoire, which is, which is, sadly enough, it's still not mainstream. It should be mainstream because it should be like the same, like the, the Ren- like Renaissance art, like everybody's, everybody knows about Leonardo da Vinci or Michelangelo, and that, that's the music of... This, these are his counterparts in music, like the piece at the at the, at the Albertina. This where we directly use this. This the music is directly appearing. This is more exceptional. It's I think the influence for me. The influence is more. What music can do is is different as what what, what a painting can do, but it's just a, for me a great example. This music, how it combines the highest possible structural density. With, with a direct emotional uh, impact. And this is for, uh, this, it's even, even more than Bach, with Bach also do a Bach folk can move you to, the, that, that this high, highly structured music, this sort of abstract, very abstract, and, and which is often regarded as cold or artificial, can move you so to tears and everything. So this is for me, this is, this is something that's real interesting also for, for, for our art production, because we're also doing with uh, what's artificial, what's natural, this, this sort of uh, uh, wrong dichotomies. And, and for this sort of to, to deconstruct the dichotomy between the natural and, and the artificial, this, is, this music is for me the best example of, of, of that, that it's a wrong uh, dichotomy you can combine. The dense structure can sh- suddenly move you to tears. So, so it, there's something wrong with this, with this uh, dichotomy. So, so the influence is not like, like trying to copy this, this musical impact. It's, it's more that it achieves something that we, in, with the different means of, of, of visual art and painting, we also try to achieve this, this synthesis of, of, of structure and emotion. Marcus and I do especially is like we work in layers and everywhere is like we've both of us have been so and this is what they used to do so usually they will let other people the old, the old masters they will let other people you know begin or whatever and then in the last strokes would be the master strokes not everywhere but you know it should be like the, it's, it's, yeah, it's a very common, very simple concept. It's funny, uh, downstairs at the Albertina, there's the Basquiat exhibition, which uh, talks about his uh, collaborations with Warhol. But um, Basquiat said uh, that Warhol always just wanted to make one mark and leave everything then and somebody else to finish it, and he could never get him to come back and do something... <laughs> yes, I mean, so it's, 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 uh, yes, I guess it's this kind of collaboration. It's more, I mean, the, the, the only thing which, which uh, maybe one should consider that is the reason why Marcus and I decided to work together, beside that we really enjoyed it and had much more fun than working alone, was that when we began uh, painting, uh, we were confronted with uh, um, this um, genius idea of a painter. 
and you know, very big ego, very big thing, and we hated it. We always thought like this is actually the down part of of being a painter that you have to you know celebrate your ego and oh I'm a genius, my stroke you can see from hundred miles and it's me 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 me. We thought like uh, we can do it much better if we do it as a concept and leave our ego behind because we wanted to to try to get kind of virtuosity for for paintings we wanted to be really good but we didn't want to be very good for saying oh I'm the best painter I can do it better than anybody else no it should be for the painting for the sake of the painting but not for the sake of saying I'm such a great painter it's also very pragmatic if, if, if it's, it's much nicer not to be alone in the studio <laughs> to have always a dialogue going. so so even if it's then sometimes a fight or, 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 or a heavy discussion about but but some paint or some things but it's pref- definitely preferable to to like be being alone, constantly alone in the studio. Not to take yourself too seriously, which I think is one of the biggest aim. Don't take yourself too seriously. (laughs) Monty and Rosenblum there living the good life and bringing to a close our visit to Vienna and this edition of the Culture File Weekly. We'll be back with more Culture Kuchen next weekend. Till then, bye now.